Yeah, today we're going to talk about focus, and I shared this with Rick, uh, but let me just give you some backstory. Um, in 2015, for me, was probably, for, for my wife and I, was probably the absolute worst year that we've, we've ever experienced in our life. And, and if you were here last year, I stood right over here, and I shared right before we did a song that how we'd come through, we'd had lost my wife's father-in-law, uh, who we had moved in to take care of, because, and um, we took, took care of him for a few years. He passed away. Uh, we experienced some other loss that were very private that... Um, that we went through, uh, just a, a lot of things. And so we came out of 2015, and for the first time in my entire life, I've been, uh, I've been involved in ministry since I was a teenager. And um, so uh, somebody asked me this morning, they said, how long have you been preaching? I said, well, I preached my first sermon when I was 12. So that would be 35 years ago Tuesday. So um, not the sermon, my birthday. So anyway, so if you want to send me gifts or whatever, I'll give you my address. And um, but no, so, so, you know, I've been involved, and for the first time in, in, in over 30 years, I was, uh, I was to the point that I was ready to give up. And, uh, and so in praying about it last year, at the end of the year, um, we, uh, God spoke to me, and he said, you know, he said, you can give up. We were talking about next last year, and God said, you can, you can take what you've got now, or you can wait and see what I have next. And so uh, we spent the, we went into the year, and, and, and we recommitted, and, and my wife, she went to... Uh, there are announcements scrolling before and after, and you'll see a thing about a women's brunch that's coming up. My wife went to that last year, and she came back. She came home, and she said, our word for this year is redeemed. And so, and, and God now, God redeemed last year a lot of things. And so we began to really, you know, uh, and, and it took most of the year. And we got, by the time we got to the end of the year, things had completely turned around, and, and, and there were a lot of, uh, you know, I still experienced loss. My father-in-law was still gone, but... Um, God dealt, you know, he helped us through all that. And so, so this year, we, um, we've been praying about, you know, what to do this year. And so uh, I had a dream a few weeks ago. Uh, it was the first week of the year, probably the second or third or so. And uh, now I have dreams all the time. It's <laughs> from the bizarre to the, you know, depending on what I ate the night before. And so, um, but this dream, I got the next day and I remembered every detail about this dream. And uh, in this dream, I was, I was teaching uh, a lot of the, the, the young musicians and stuff that I work with, and I was in a room teaching with these guys, and, uh, and I began to talk about being focused. And I told them, I said that light, uh, you can take a candle and you can set it in a room, and it'll bring light into the room, and your eyes will begin to focus, and you'll be able to see a few things. Our power went out a few weeks ago, and uh, we had candles and little oil lamps, and uh, it's a whole lot different than all the candlelights that I have in my house when they're on. Uh, and, but when you put that candle in a, in a box and you put lenses around it, then it begins to glow and it begins to make a big... If you put a mirror behind it and a lens in front of it, it could be a spotlight. It could be things that, that light up. The more you focus that light, the more that it can do. And so as a matter of fact, the more light can become so focused that it can cut steel, it can cut metal, it, it can cut things. Lasers, uh, you know, are extremely focused. Now, there's, there's, uh, they're also emitted with radiation, but, but it's, the light is so focused. And so I, I just wanted to, uh, my first point, light is very good, but light that is focused is infinitely more, can, can do infinitely more. And so one of the problems we have is that we have light inside of us. Anybody who, who is... You know, even if you've not fully committed to God, if you have had an encounter with God, you have been exposed to the light. 
And so some of that light, that light residue will stay on you. Now, you can go and you can try to wallow in darkness all you want to, but that light is there. That light is beginning to make a difference. But light that is focused can do infinitely more. I went online to, uh, you can find anything online. And so I went online and uh, there's, a, there's, there's a thing called Ask an Expert. There's a website. And so uh, somebody had already asked a physics expert. And so go ahead and put this up here. This physics expert, the, the, the question was, what's the difference between a flashlight and laser light? So here it is. The light from a flashlight cannot travel a long distance. This is because the light is unfocused and diverges as the travel distance increases. The flashlight beam traveling distance depends on the size of the flashlight, the batteries being used. Laser light, however, and this is really cool, can travel a long distance. Any laser light, any laser light can be beamed to the moon and back. They can travel in such long distances as they are coherent and do not spread out while traveling. That's not me. That's, I was a music major. This is a physics expert. This is a guy that, that knows what he's doing. Uh, I'd do good to count to four. But, you know, this guy. And, and so, you know, light that's focused, light that is so focused a laser can shoot to the moon. A flashlight, you know, I, I have a flashlight fetish. I like flashlights. Man, I've got tons of flashlights. We're, we're all the time. My wife fusses all the time because I've got them. I've got one in every tool pouch. I've got one in every vehicle. I carry one during work. You know, I've got a, a holster and it stays in my you know, belt all the time. I, I love flashlights. And, and the brighter, the better because it's really cool. As a matter of fact, one of the guys I work with, we kind of have this little contest who can have a brighter flashlight. We're all the time buying the newer thing. And so, but you know, I have never, the brightest flashlight I've got it's not going to shine very far. It may be really bright, but it's not going to shine very far because the light can't be as focused as it needs to be. And so God, God told me, he said, for this year, he said, I want you, I want you to be focused. My thing for you this year, last year was redeemed. Last year was okay. You had a really terrible, horrible year. You've been through some things. And so we're going to take this year and we're going to rehab you and get you to this point. But this year, you need to focus. And so I shared this with Pastor Rick. And so, you know, as we talk about change and we get to a new year and we begin to do these things, we need to come to the place that we begin to focus, to begin to take that light instead of a flashlight that it does some good and it's really bright if people come to us, but take that laser that we can begin to shoot. Laser light can be so focused, it cuts steel, it cuts plat. you know, you, you can do lots of things with it. And so that's what we're talking about this year. Uh, in order to be focused, that's just kind of the backstory to kind of tell you where we're at. Uh, in, in order to be focused, my iPad has to come up. There we go. In order to be focused, one of the first things we have to do is focus our mind. We have so many things going on. There are so many things, uh, you know, in, in, in this day and age, uh, I was just talking to some guys right before service in the back, and, and they said, um, they asked if I'd watched a show, and I said, no, I haven't watched it. And they said, dude, it was right up your alley. You need to see this. But, you know, the, the thing is, there are so many shows that my wife and I watch and the dude that, and I have people tell me all the time, dude, you would love this. You would love this show. You would love this. And the problem is, I have a DVR right now that is full of stuff because I don't have time to watch all the things that I want to watch. And so, and, and, and even if I do, when I sit down and I begin to watch these shows, I feel like I have wasted my day because I've spent four hours watching five or six TV shows and, and I haven't gotten nearly anything done that my wife wants me to do. And so, um, so one of the things we need to do is, is to focus our mind. Philippians 4, 6. This is a, it's one of my favorite verses. Now, all these verses are in the Message Bible. I love the Message Bible. I read it. When I study, I study from other translations. 
And before I give you guys these message verses, I make sure that they line up with the other translations. If it sounds weird, I'm not going to give it to you because I want you to know. But I challenge you to go home and check into these on any translation you want to and see what it says. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing, summing it up, friends, I'd say you'll do the best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best and not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise and not things to curse. That sounds like Facebook here lately, doesn't it? Not really. <laughs> if you're like me and you've got friends, and, and, and I have friends on both sides, I have relatives on both sides of the, uh, of, of the political discussion that's going on right now. And... Uh, I hate going onto Facebook. I, don't, I, I hate to even look at it because there are people, and, and the thing, I have people from both sides saying, I'm going to quit coming to Facebook because this side is so hateful. And the other side, I'm going to quit coming because this side is so hateful. The truth of the matter is, we, we, we watch these shows and we go on and we, and we click on the news feeds and we click on the videos and things and we fill our minds with this stuff. And, and don't get me wrong, there is right and there is wrong. And if you read the word of God and you seek God, God will give you discernment to know what's right and what's wrong. But there's a difference in what's right and what's wrong and what flavor ice cream I like. You know, I mean, everybody knows strawberries the best, right? Exactly. You know, this, <laughs> Hannah's like, what? Actually, the cheesecake ice cream from Cold Stone, but that's different. So, um, you know, but, but we, we all have those things, and, and, and there are things every day that we look at. I've told you guys this a lot of times. My mentor, uh, the guy that was like a father to me, he, um, he told me to write three lists, and so, you know, things that are worth, uh, things that are worth dying over, things that are worth fighting over, and things that don't matter. And, and the older I get, the more focused I become, and the, the smaller this list of things that are worth dying over. Kurt and I had dinner a few weeks ago, and we were talking about this, and I said, you know, I, I, the older I get, I find that the things that are worth dying over. When I was young, man, I was willing to die over a lot of things, Pastor. There, there were a lot of things that I was ready to fight you about, man, I, because this is right. And I, I, and it's, but the older I get, the more I realize that a lot of these things are not important. I've begun to focus and, 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 and shift the way that I look at things. And so this thing that, that I was willing to die over 5, 10, 15 years ago you know what? It's not even in the things worth fighting. It's, it's kind of over in the unimportant thing, Colin. I, I've discovered the things. Now, I'm not talking about the Word of God, and I'm not talking about things of God. I'm talking about the way that I look at things and the, the way that I was brought up. I was brought up in a very strict Pentecostal background. And uh, man, I, I, you know, there were things we didn't dance. We didn't, uh, you know, we didn't dance, drink, smoke, or chew, and we didn't hang out with people that do. So, you know, it's kind of the, you know, we, 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 we were really strict about stuff. I, uh, I had a curfew. I was, a, I was going to Sanford University, and I had a curfew of 10.30. There were nights that I was playing in the pep band at the basketball game, and I had to go. We didn't have cell phones. This was back in the dark ages. And I had to go find a pay phone and call my dad to say, I'm going to be late because I'm still at the basketball game. I was 18, 19 years old. I'm a freshman at college, and, you know, but I, had to, I was going to Sanford, living at home to save money. And so you know, I had a curfew. I was, that was a strict environment that I came up in. Some of you guys are like, boy, I'm glad I didn't have your dad. <laughs> you are, trust me. But, um, but you know, the older I get, you know, I, I began to focus and shift these things. We have to focus our mind. We have to quit concentrating on things. Can I give you guys a really, really, really good piece of advice? 
turn off the television and turn off the computer, and instead of stressing over who said what's happening this week and what Donald did this week and what, you know, if you're, if, if you're pro-Trump or, or anti-Trump, whatever, wherever you are, if you'll begin to turn that off and instead of focusing on all of the negative arguing and bickering that's going on in society, we can begin to radiate love like a laser beam that can cut through all of the junk that's out there. When we begin to focus our mind, when we begin, it's good, you can, you know, when we begin to focus our mind and begin to take care of all the other stuff, it's so easy to become so, so depressed and so discouraged. I have a, I have a cousin, and uh, she lives in, in, in Boston, and she, um, she's not pro-Trump, and so uh, not by a long shot. And, and, and so she'll post these things talking about how depressed and discouraged and, and everything she is. And, and, and you know, I want to send her a message and say, hey, you know what? Quit being discouraged and depressed. Quit reading all of the, all of the negative things and everything that's going on and begin to focus on the things that are good and the things that are pure and the things that are reputable. Begin the things that are gracious. Instead of looking at all the news stories about the terrible things that are happening, and there are a lot of terrible things in our world that affect us. But instead of focusing on all of these things and what we cannot do, we need to begin to focus and shift our focus onto the things that we can do. Begin to look at the stories of the people that are sacrificing themselves to give to others. The people that are, that are giving up things so that they can help other people. Those are the stories that, now, those don't make for good TV. You know, th those, are, those are little teasers on the news that get five minutes at the end of the thing and, you know, this thing. Because, you know, what sells is the over-the-top sensationalism where things are terrible and negative. And if you don't watch this next thing, whatever, you know, uh, your favorite food is going to kill you. Film at 11. You know, we, we have these kind of things where people, they, they want to scare us to bring us back into this. But God says, in order for you to not stress and worry all the time, this best for you, I'd say that I say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, and gracious. Begin to look at these things that God has laid out. There are people out there that simply don't know. There are people out there that they have never heard the true message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All they've heard is someone who told them that they were worthless and they were dirty and they were going to hell. Now, if somebody came to you, I, I, I've given this illustration and when my doctor comes in, every time I go see my doctor, he, he comes in and he, you know, I, I have to stand on that infernal contraption, you know, the scales. And, uh, and so then I go to the room and he looks at it and, and it's usually, oh, you lost four pounds this, you know, this, the last six months. You're doing really good. Or, oh, you gained two pounds. You're going to have to lose some weight because, you know, you got to, and, and it's always this thing. Now, if my doctor says, if he comes in the door and he looks at it and he says, whoo, you're a fatty, aren't you? I'm probably going to find another doctor or go to jail for punching this doctor, one of the two. But if he comes in and he says, Mr. Robinson, um, listen, you, you're, you're, uh, you have diabetes, you're controlling it by you know, your diet and weight and you're doing really good, but listen, you got a beautiful family and I know you want to spend as much time as you can with them. So it would be in your best interest if you could curb the sugar and you could do some things, if you would... Uh, you know, get somebody, 
Uh, get somebody like Keller that can help you work out. And he's, uh, you know, get somebody that can help you get in shape and do this. I'm not really going to do that. I was just pointing you out. Um, <laughs> the doctor says these things and he says, if he comes at it from that angle, I'm going to listen to what he has to say. Because I understand at that point, it's the whole fly, you know, flies and honey, you know, honey catches flies better than vinegar does, you know. Uh, I understand at that point, he's trying to tell me, I'm concerned that you need to lose weight. There are people that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ because we focus on the negative and we focus on the disgusting and the nasty and all the things of this world instead of focusing on the things of God. And when the church of Jesus Christ begins to change their focus and begins to shift their focus to things that are good and pure and and holy and noble, when we begin to do that, the people begin to say, I want what they've got. And it begins to change the shift from, you know what, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't want you telling me what I could do to what can I do to get what you've got. And that changes our job immensely. That makes things, when we begin to shift our focus, when we begin to focus our minds and change the thought process instead of wondering what we have to do, how can I, how can I guilt these people into, you know, um, coming up, my, my mom Rest her soul. My mom was a was a she was a master at the guilt trip, man. She, could, you know, her, her favorite saying when I would do something and I said I'm sorry, mom. Her favorite saying was always, "Actions speak louder than words." Oh, I hated that. That made me so mad. And now I tell my kids occasionally, "Actions speak louder than words." And I'm like, ah, that makes more sense from this side. They did that side, but you know, we. That's kind of our society. We want to use that guilt. We want to, we don't want to guilt people. I came up in a, I came up in, in this in Pentecostal persuasion. And, and uh, if I heard it once, I heard it a thousand times at youth rallies or at, at messages that close the thing. You could die in a car accident tonight. You need to come to the altar and accept Jesus right now. God could come back. Anybody that's my age or a little older, you, and if you were in church, you probably saw a movie called, um, I wish we'd all been ready. Or uh, it was, it was, it was before Left Behind. Scared the Cheetos out of me when I was a kid. Man, I was about ten the first time I saw that. And and you know, it's this thing because and at the end they've got the woman singing. You know, uh, I wish we'd all been ready. You know, and 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 it was about you know Jesus came and you got left behind. If you don't want to get left behind and all this evil stuff, then you need to come accept Jesus right now. It works. I came and accepted Jesus. Now, the truth of the matter is, I was, I was buying a fire insurance policy. I was not actually accepting Jesus into my life at that point because I didn't understand. We need to begin to shift our focus instead of trying to scare hell out of people, try to love Jesus into people. Some of you are just freaked out because I just said hell, and so you, you, know, you guys are kind of, did he just cuss in church? Uh, we need to love Jesus into people. We need to begin to shift our focus from that. Focus our mind. The next thing that we need to do, the next focus we need to make, I got to hurry because Kyle went way too long. Um, the next thing we need to do is we need to focus our prayers this morning. We need to begin to, to change the focus of our prayer. Uh, back during our Blockbuster series this past summer, and I think we're going to have another one of those coming up this summer. Wasn't those really cool? But in this Blockbuster series last summer, I preached about uh, spiritual warfare. And I talked about one of the major weapons we have is prayer. One of, the, one of the most misused weapons we have is prayer. We need to begin to focus our prayers. Uh, James 5.26, or I'm sorry, 5.16. Yeah, 5.16. Uh, this is what Kyle shared a while ago during his long rant. Make this, make this your common practice. 
Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. If you're like me and you grew up reading the King James, you know, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Things that, you know, a person that is, uh, a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. The prayers of this person. And so we have this, we have this powerful thing, but the problem with our prayers is too often, go ahead to this next slide, too often, too often, our prayers go no further than the ceiling because like the flashlight, they are unfocused and diverge from seeking the heart of God. Our prayers so many times, and, and I am just as guilty of this, when you, uh, uh, you're, you're having a small group, you've you got rehearsal, you've got things going on, and Jamie says, Jeff, will you pray? And so people, there are 27 prayer requests that go around the room, and you're trying to make these notes and keep up with all these things. And so you get there, and it's so easy sometimes to pray, Lord, do your will in this situation. There's nothing wrong with that because I want God to do his will. But that's pretty unfocused prayer. I mean, you know, God, God just do what, God do what you want to do. We go into, uh, man, there is nothing more difficult than as a young minister having to go, uh, the first thing they do is they put you on hospital duty. So you have to go, you have to go visit people that are in the hospital, most of which have never said two words for you in church, except you need to cut your hair because it's awful long. And so, um, maybe that was just me. They said that too, but, um, but you know, you, you go visit these guys in the hospital and, 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 and there are things going on and, and, or they have a loved one that's in the hospital and you go visit and you know that this person is, is, is dying and, and, and they're suffering. And there's a part of you that wants to pray, God, you need to either heal this person or take them home. So they're not suffering. But you don't pray that in front of that person's family because that's a hard thing to hear. You felt the same way sometimes. You've been in that situation where you've got a loved one. My mom was diagnosed uh, in 2011. She was diagnosed with cancer. She went to the doctor. She wasn't feeling well. They said, we see some spots. We need to take some images. She was dead five weeks later. Um, by the time they got to look at it, they went and did the x-rays before they started chemo, and they sent her home with hospice, and she was dead within five days. Um, there were people, loving people from church, that came, and they were praying for God to, um, for God to do a miracle and for God to, for God to do this, and, and I'm very grateful for that. But I had sat with my mom, and she, with tears streaming down her face, she said, I'm so tired, Jeff. She said, I don't want to quit, but I can't go on anymore. And I told my mom, it's okay. You can go. I'll take care of dad. It's okay. Sometimes our focus has to shift from the things that we think are important to the things that God knows are important. The next verse that I have, Matthew 6, 6 through 8. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there. Anybody do that? We role play before God. We, we, we pray to God like we've got it all together, like he can't see, you know? Uh, you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can. The focus will shift from you to God, and you'll begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. Jesus said these words. 
He didn't say these exact words because he was speaking in Hebrew, but Jesus spoke these words. He goes on, if you read this, Matthew 6 through 8, those of you who know the next couple of verses, he says, you know what? When you pray, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. He's, he's teaching them about prayer. And he says, he says, the world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant, full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. There are several authors that come to mind in books that I've read over the last uh, uh, over the last twenty or thirty years. Things about you know how to get what you want from God. Pray this prayer. There, uh, there, there was a certain prayer, the prayer of Jabez. That was a book, and, and it was about if you pray this prayer about expanding our borders and do this, and pray this prayer every day. And there were people. The guy made millions of dollars off of this book. I'm not telling you that, that praying that prayer is not good. I'm telling you, if you simply repeat this prayer in order for God to give you more land and more influence and more things in your life, then you're, you're coming from a terrible place to start with, and your prayers are like a flashlight, and it's not going to go any further than this ceiling right here. But when we begin to focus our prayer, when we begin to understand that our Father knows better than we what we need, God knows what I need. God knows who I, he knows where I'm at. There are things about myself that I'm still discovering nearly 50 years after I came into this world. There are things about myself that I'm still having to figure out. Some things I've known for a while, I just didn't want to admit. My wife's been trying to tell me for years some of these things, but I just didn't want to listen to it. But there are things in my life that God knows better than I do and God loves me enough that God's going to point those things out and begin to put his finger on those things. So when I begin to pray, God, I need this. God says, no, you don't. You need this. No, I'm pretty sure I need this, God. I'm pretty sure I need a big screen TV. Nope. <laughs> you need to get rid of your TV. That's going to help your financial prayer that's going to come up next week. And it's going to help you with it. You know, God... God knows what we need, and we begin to focus, change our focus, and focus our prayers to seeking after the heart of God. To begin to pray for God, um, I, had a, uh, I launched a prayer initiative a year or so ago with several friends on Facebook. I went, and, and, and I, there were several, uh, I, I messaged several friends that I had known over the years from different churches, and I said, I'd like for us to take the next month and pray for our president. This was a couple years ago, so uh, President Obama was the president. And I had a person who'd been a deacon in my church for years, loved God with all his heart, and his response to me was, this president? You want me to pray for this president? And of course, my response was, if you feel that strongly, then I would say, absolutely, you need to pray for this president. Because if you think he's doing that terrible a job, then he needs your prayers even more so. And so we need to begin to change our focus from those things to God, give this man the wisdom that he needs to do what we need to do in this country. God, give, put people of influence in his life that can speak words of truth. Because you know, here's the thing, if God wants to put me in a place where I have influence over the president, more power to it. But I don't see that happening, okay? Maybe that's lack of faith on my part. I don't know. I think it's been a realist. And so... Um, you know, but there are people that are going to come in contact with the leaders of this country. And they need to, if I specifically begin to focus my laser-like prayer, 
God, there are men and women that come in contact with this president every day. Would you begin to speak words of life into them? Would you begin to speak words of wisdom that they can give this man? Begin to make his heart fallow so that he can accept the words that they have. God, begin to do things in his life so that we can turn this country around. God, let us not simply try to legislate morality, but let us begin to not treat symptoms, but treat the heart of the matter, which is God is needed in this country. When we begin to pray like that, when we begin to focus those prayers like that, then instead of a flashlight that just, that, that just kind of throws it out there, instead of a shotgun blast, it's a laser focus that begins to go to the heart of the problem, which is we need God in places. I don't need somebody who simply claims to be a church member, to be an elected official. I need somebody who has the heart of God. I need people in my life who have the heart of God. I need people to just speak into my life that aren't telling me, you know what, dude, that church takes up way too much of your time. You need to free up some time. There's some really good TV shows you need to watch. Um, Hey, you know, there's some other things you need to do. I need you to begin to pray, God, give me wisdom. God, speak to me. Help me here. Give my, take away, (laughs) improve my garbage detector so when people tell me things that are not you, I know those things. Give me discernment. We begin to focus our prayer. And the next thing, the next verse that I, the next thing we do was we begin to focus our mission. Now, if you've heard me speak before, you know what's our mission? To make disciples. Our mission is to make disciples. Uh, Our mission is not just to grow Church 2911, because if you're making disciples, you're growing Church 2911. Our mission is not just to have a bigger small group, because if you're making disciples, you're going to have a bigger small group. Our mission is not just to, to do all these other things or to, uh, you know, to send out missionaries. If we're making disciples, there are people that are going to do that because we're sharing our heart and we're wearing it out there. And people say, you've got something that I need. When we begin to focus our mission, one of the things to do with our focus, our mission. Sorry, my notes keep going to sleep on me here. In order to have, and this, this is the worst, this, this is a, a saying that I've shared a lot, but this is my favorite saying. In order to have what we truly love, we must give up things that we really like. There are things in your life that you really want. And in order to have those things that you truly want, you're going to have to give up some things that you like having around. Um, If you want a tiny house and you really love tiny house, you're going to have to get rid of a lot of junk. Yes, Lord, I'm listening. If, If you want... If you want to be uh, a successful musician, um, good luck with that. Now, if you want to be a successful musician, you're going to have to put the time and effort in it. You're going to have to give up a lot of things in your life in order to practice. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? You practice. <laughs> That's the way. It's an old joke. You, got, you guys are way too young to get that. These guys get me. They, they feel that. Um, you know, you, you have to give up. You're going to have to give up things in your life so that you can put the effort and the time and the work in. If you want to be the top of your profession, you have to do that. If you want to be in shape, you have to give up donuts, which is why I'm not in shape. If you want to, if, if you want to do things, if you want to do things, we begin to have to focus. We have to give up things that we really like so that we can have what we love. I've got to hurry up here. Go ahead and go to this next verse. Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love is the first and last word in everything we do. Our firm decision is to work from this focus center. 
One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. A resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. God began to, he wants us to, to begin to focus and live this life from focus to realize that, you know what? There are some of you out there that you wondered, and, and some of you talked to me and said, you know, you talk about mission. You talk about doing this. You talk about hearing from God. I've never heard God speak. Let, let me just be very clear. I've never heard an audible voice speak to me in my room and say, Jeff, I want you to do this. Okay? Because my wife's voice is much lower pitched. I mean, much higher pitched than that. So. No, I, you know, but I, I've never heard God speak to me audibly like that. But I have impressions. I have dreams. I have things that just will not go away from my heart. Something that, that I learned a long time ago, when you're in your prayer closet and you're seeking after God and you're praying for wisdom and direction and God begins to drop in, 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 in there are thoughts that begin to come into your head and you try to get them out because you're like, I, I don't need to think about that right now. You're wanting, God, I need a better job. God, I need more money. God, I need this. And you begin to have these things about if you don't hurry up and get ready for work, you're going to be late this morning. That's probably God saying, if you want more money, you better get your butt to work on time. You know, we begin to have these things come in. God, help my children. My children need you, God. I, ne I need you in my children's life. And you begin to have these things like, you know what? You need to, you need to do this. You need to, you need to set some boundaries in your house. You need to do some things. You're like, I don't, I don't need to think about this stuff right now. I'm talking to God. That's probably God talking to you. When you're seeking and God begins to drop things in there, he's trying to focus that. And when we begin to focus, God wants you to know that there are things for you to do. And you may not know, in, the, in my 30 plus years of ministry, I have worked in children's church. I've been a youth pastor. I've been an associate pastor. I've been a worship pastor. I've been a toilet cleaner. I've been a grass cutter. I've been just about everything there is to do. I even filled in for a while when the senior pastor left and, and I had to do everything else and they would bring in guest preachers to preach on Sundays. I've done just about everything there is to do. I didn't start out and say, you know what? I'm going to be a worship pastor and I'm going to spend the next 30 years of my life doing this. I said, whatever it is to do, let me do something. And I tried this for a while and I said, you know what? This is not for me. I did children's church for a while and I said, this is not for me. I went and I did some things. But you know, there are things that we need help in. And if you're not sure what your mission is, then ask, ask someone. Ask Kyle, and I guarantee it, he'll tell you there's some missions in small groups that need fulfilling. Ask, um, ask the different leaders. Ask Jamie and she'll She'll tell you that there's, a, there's, there's a, uh, a mission in the worship team. And then Jeff will come along and say, no, 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 we don't need this. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, ask, ask people. There are things that need to be doing. There's somebody, some of you guys, it was kind of, it, it was, was it still raining when some of you guys came in this morning? It was drizzling a little bit. There's a covered golf cart to bring you from your car. We need people to drive that golf cart. You know, we need people to help. This, this stuff doesn't jump off the truck by itself. There are things to do. We need to begin to focus our mission and begin to understand that when I begin to live the mission, when I begin to say that this, I'm not, I had to learn, I'm not scrubbing toilets. I'm worshiping Jesus with a toilet brush. It's not nearly as pleasant as standing up here with a keyboard, but you know what? It's every bit as effective. I can tell you I have written more songs and written more sermons, and I've had more epiphanies from the, from the throne of God on a lawnmower than I ever have in a prayer closet. And I'm on that lawnmower and there's no distractions. There's nothing but the going on. God can speak to you over that lawnmower. There are things that we need to do. And God is telling us it's time to focus on the mission. 
And our mission is to begin to make disciples. Our mission doesn't begin on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Our mission begins Sunday about 11.30 after you go to, or after 12.30, once you go to lunch. It starts at the restaurant when that waitress messes up your order, when they spill tea in your lap. And you begin, and instead of fussing and, and, and pitching a fit and demanding free food, you say, you know what? You're having a rough day. I so forget it. You know, it's cold outside. This iced tea is okay. You know, I, I'll be all right. Uh, you know, whatever it is, you know, you, you, we don't have to be so angry. We don't have to demand. And for goodness sake, leave a tip when you go out to eat on Sunday. Don't leave one of those stinking little tracks out there unless there's money in the thing. Because if there's no money, they're not going to read the track and they're not going to listen to anything else another Christian has to say. I have another uh, I have another verse here. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some, but spurring each other on, especially as the day is approaching. If you want to focus on your mission, there is no better way. You can go put that last slide up. There's no better way than in small groups because focusing on our mission in small groups, we're coming together as one another. We're lifting each other up. We're loving each other. We're encouraging each other. We've got people to talk to. We read a verse a while ago, and, and Kyle did, uh, and, and it's, uh, it's, it's the part that talks about um, focusing our prayer, and it talks about praying together. We like to leave out the first part of that that says confess our sins one to another. We don't like to do that. We like to put on our mask, and we like to lie to each other and tell us, I got everything figured out. Focusing on our mission starts in small groups where in groups of people that we can trust and we, can, we have bond together that I begin to tell these guys, you know what? I'm struggling in this area in my life. I have a couple of people in my life that I can go to and I can say, I'm struggling with this. And these people I'm in community with. And these people are not gonna go gossip. They're not gonna share it with somebody else. They're not gonna, they're not gonna go home and tell their wife who's gonna, go, who's gonna tell somebody else and it's gonna go on. It's somebody that I'm in a community, I'm in a relationship with. And that happens in small groups. That can't happen on Sunday morning. We don't, anybody want to, anybody want to start the confession line this morning and come up and confess their sins to everybody? Me neither. That happens in small groups of two or three or four or six, where you begin to get together and you have men or women that can come together and they can share with one another. I've shared a lot of stuff with you and, and I'm trying to bring this right now to a close. So if you would, if you'd stand with me and we're going to come down to the front. Not because there's anything magical up here, not because, um, not because of anything else, but it's a sign of you that you're beginning your focus by stepping out of your seat, coming this way. There are some men and women up here, and they've got lanyards on that say prayer team. At least they're supposed to. So. <laughs> they've got, they're up here. I'm in, I'm in community with this guy. I can joke like that. Um, there are men and women up here, and these guys have been praying this week, yep. and these guys have been praying for you. Yep. They may not have known your specific name, but they were praying laser-like prayers. God, there are people here today that need you. Yes. Give me wisdom. Give me direction. Give me the words to say. So this morning, Jamie and the worship team are fixing to, they're fixing to, to sing one last worship song, but before you start singing, there are some of you that you need focus in your life this morning. Your life is like a flashlight. It may, it may be good for a short burst, but it doesn't go very far. It may be good for, you know, for the short term, but it doesn't last past about Tuesday or so because Sunday morning is where you get all your focus in. 
And you need people to pray with you. These guys here, they're going to help you pray for focus this morning. There are some of you that you have a specific need in your life. And so you don't know how to do it on your own. There are guys here that can help you take that laser and begin to... Laser can cut steel. These guys can cut through the junk that's got, that's got your, your life wrapped up and got you so you don't know what to do. And these guys want to do that. Jamie, go ahead whenever you guys are ready. So this morning, we're going to pray. And we're going to ask for focus. We're going to ask for God to help us focus in on our prayers. For God to help us focus our mind and get rid of the junk. And for God to help us focus on the mission that he has for us.